This is the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Ever wish you could re-listen to your favorite interview or segment? Do you enjoy hearing older shows for the first time in years? Then the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less is just what you need. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. This is episode 78. It comes from June the 5th, 2012. First segment today, Rich Robin, owner of Gator Pits. He's in to give you some advice on pit maintenance and seasoning that new pit up for the first time. Second segment today, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. And what could be the hardcore genesis of the conversation between Greg and Meathead. Is it barbecue or is it grilling? Let's get to it. First up, here's Rich, Robin, and Greg from June 5th, 2012. Rich, Robin, joining us here on the show. All right, Rich, so let's say I have one. This is what we wanted to talk to you about tonight. I was getting a lot of questions about offset pit maintenance and things that you need to do to make sure that you're keeping them in proper running order. You know, once I get it from Houston here to Cleveland, you always hear people you got to season the pit, you got to do a burn in to you know eliminate any chemicals or blah 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 or whatever the case may be. So when you get that first pit going, what's the best way to break it in? Okay, <clears throat> Gator pits are all made with new steel. I want to first emphasize that we don't use any used use, use materials whatsoever in the manufacturing of our products. All brand new pipe, uh, all brand new structural steel. So. What what's in there in the steel is going to, is coming directly from the manufacturer, uh, the steel company. So typically, what you do when you when you buy a cooker is you're going to oil it down with some cooking oil. You can use peanut oil, canola oil. They have a high viscosity heat. They uh, uh, you can use if if you want. You can go to Walmart and buy the great value cheap oil because what you're going to do is, is you're coating the interior of the pit with it. You want to fill the pores up with the cooking oil. You want to put a small fire in the firebox, and you want to gradually work it up to temperature because you got a brand-new pit. It's a virgin pit. Uh, you're going to have expansion and contraction of the steel. you got to break it in a little bit, so to speak. And you also want to season it so that uh, you, you do burn, uh, Greg, as you said, the oils that are used in the manufacturing of the cutting and all that, uh, not only from the mill that it comes from, but just also from us working in it and, and doing what we do to turn that raw steel into a barbecue pit. So you need to burn that out. There's nothing in our in, in, in gator pits that is going to hurt you if you don't do that and you put your meat on it immediately. But you're going to want to season it first because if you don't, you're going to be evaporating those oils and all that. They come from the mills that is going to boil out of the out of the steel, out of the pores. You know, and it's just going to make for your meat the first time you cook on it. It's just not going to taste that great. So you season it, you burn that out, you replace that with good cooking oil uh, that soaks into the pores. And the more you cook on the pits, the better the cooking gets. Uh, and and it, it's really so. It's that simple. Rich Robin it's joining like us. Seasoning a cast iron pot or a cast iron skillet. If anyone's familiar with doing that, yeah, absolutely. It's the same thing. And you don't ever strip it down to, to to the bare metal after you cook on it. Nor nor would you do that to a cast iron pot or skillet. You 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 rinse it out with soap and water. Uh, as far as a cast iron pot, you do the same thing with a pit. You leave the seasoning in there. You don't want to strip it. You never never want to strip it down to the bare metal again. Because if you do, then you got to re-season it again. So you just want to keep the oils in there. You want to keep the meat juices on the grates. All that helps season the pit. It minimizes the rusting on the interior, especially in dry climates where you have no humidity. Uh, and, 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 and you don't want the pit, the pit to rust. The outside, <clears throat> if I'm jumping a gun, Greg, tell me, I'll stop. 
Um, but the outside, you want to coat that as well. And believe it or not, you're gonna, people are going to say, I can't believe you just said this. Take the outside of your pit and squirt it with WD-40, coat it down with WD-40, and spread it out with a cotton cloth rag, and, and lubricate the exterior of the pit. Not the inside. I want to emphasize, not the inside of the pit. That's cooking oil. There's, there is a difference. But the outside, the reason I recommend DW40 is because it's not oily and it's also a lubricant. Water that hits it, it's going to roll off of it like, like water on a duck's back. Uh, it's going to lubricate your hinges, uh, and it's, it's not going to track pollen and dust and all that and, and get nasty. If you, if you want to, you can use cooking oil to do that. But keep in mind, you better build a fire into it, and you better burn it a few times to dry that cooking oil on the outside. Because if you don't, you will get the dust and the pollen and everything else that's outside floating around in the wind. That's going to stick to your pit, and when you fire it up, it's going to stay in that pit because it's, it's baking in that oil. Rich Robin joining us here on the show. We're talking about some offset pit maintenance. But let me ask you about this. Uh, let's say, you know, uh, I have one. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of climate change here in Cleveland, so we're getting, you know, winter, spring, fall, all this stuff. So there's constant uh, expansion, contraction of the metal. Maybe I'm not going to use it as much during the winter time as I would, you know, during the warmer months because I'm going to be having to tend to fire with the offset pits. So let's say I get some rust on the outside of the firebox, not necessarily the main chamber, but obviously there's going to be a little bit more uh, uh, apt to, to rust the firebox because it's the hottest part of the pit. How do I want to take right. care of that rust properly? And is it something that you're just going to constantly contend with? Do you not even want to consider you know repainting over it after it uh, chips off the first time? Okay. <clears throat> What's going to happen on that is the firebox is going to be the first place that's going to show exactly what you're talking about, Greg. And it's not that the paint, if, if the manufacturer is using a high-heat barbecue black paint or a high-heat paint, it's not that the paint can't handle it, the, the, the heat. Uh, we use a 1,000-degree Rust-Oleum brand paint. Uh, it can handle up to 1,000 degrees. But like you mentioned earlier, you have expansion and contraction of the steel. A newer pit is going to expand and contract quicker uh, until it, it actually starts to break in after several cooks. So the expanding contraction is going to be minimized. So if you want to wait and cook on your pit, give it about six months of breaking in period. Then you can come back and touch up that paint, and you're going to do it less frequently than if you start from the get-go and say after the third cook, some of your paint came off the firebox, and typically it's going to be at the, at the very top because that is the greatest expansion area is the, is the center of the firebox at the top, uh, and that's going to be on a square box or a pipe box. It doesn't matter. That's where the heat's most concentrated is dead center of, of the top of the firebox. Give it a little while, then come back and get you a little light sanding, uh, sanding disc, Get you a wire wheel on a, uh, a a grinder, and then just just take off the surface rust. If you do it, and you don't let the the pit get too bad with the surface rust, you can actually just take it off with the with the pressure sprayer. If you have a pressure sprayer, soap and water knocks it right off with the pressure sprayer. Then you come back and you can use a little acetone and take off the remaining surface rust and any grease that's on there with some acetone. And as soon as you do that, come back and hit it again with your high heat uh, paint. If you, if you happen to have a compressor or a sprayer, that's the best way to do it. If not, you can buy aerosol-type uh, uh, high-heat black, uh, Rust-Oleum brand, Krylon. You have several manufacturers out there, stove paint. They have several manufacturers out there that you can buy in an aerosol spray can if you don't have the convenience of a car sprayer or a compressor to do it. So there's ways, and you can roll it on as well. I would recommend a, a sponge roller, not a paintbrush, but a sponge roller. Uh, it comes out smoother. It doesn't have the brush marks in it. Uh, and again, it's a, it's a sponge roller that you can use to do that. Uh, that's going to put it on a little thicker coat, but you want to do multiple layers. If you don't do multiple layers, then you're defeating the purpose and you're just wasting your time. 
you want to be patient, uh, uh, get the surface rust off, degrease it, and then hit it immediately with your paint, your new paint. All right, Rich, uh, let me ask you this question, too, because every once in a while I've seen, and I had it happen uh, with my offset pit when I had it, there was a little bit of rust uh, at the bottom of the pipe on the inside. So is it a, I'm sure it's not a similar process. You're not going to be repainting the inside, but there has to be a way for you to kind of get away at that rust and then kind of re-season the inside as well. Right. Well, what you're going to do is you don't want to put cooking oil on the inside or season the inside of your firebox. Okay, that's a whole different different uh, chamber than what your food chamber, your smoke chamber is, where your meat goes. <clears throat> Two separate boxes. So if you have that buildup, a lot of that is just smoke residue. Believe it or not, it, it's not rust. Uh, it, it 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 could be just depending on on whether or not you're maintaining that box after each cook. One of the worst things you can do to a barbecue pit, and it doesn't matter Gator Pit or who manufactured. The worst thing to do is to leave ash, burnt ash, down into the bottom of the firebox. Because what happens is that ash accumulates in all the corners of the firebox. Square fireboxes require a little more TLC to maintain and add longevity because you have all the corners at the base and it's a flat surface at the bottom. That ash gets in all those corners, and and it's hard to get out. Uh, And what happens is ash will attract humidity, morning dew. It gets wet, and when ash gets wet, it gets extremely acidic. So what that does is it starts eating at the walls and the wells of the pit. So, you know, the pipe boxes, fire boxes, pros and cons, pipe box, less maintenance. It's going to last you a little longer. Uh, if, you, if you keep it cleaned out and you maintain the pipe box, you should never have to replace a pipe box. The square fire boxes are going to require a little more maintenance. But, again, you shouldn't replace the, pipe, the square fire box either if, if you give a little more TLC to it and keep it cleaned out. So the ash is extremely acidic when it attracts morning moisture. Uh, and most people, to be honest, they don't clean the fireboxes out until they're cooking on it again the next month or the next two weeks. Mm. So during that week or that four weeks, it's just sitting there tearing that firebox up. It's a cancer in the firebox, which is what you don't want in your pit. So your fireboxes aren't burning out, guys. What they're doing is they're rusting out and they're getting eaten up by the acidity of the ash. Rich Robin joining us here on the show again, the website GatorPit.net if you want to go ahead and uh, A, take a look and then potentially place an order. To put in your request for a future show, please contact John Solberg via email at John, J-O-N, at the BBQCentralShow.com. And there you go. If you got that big pit coming, you know what to do. Something else you need to do. Follow the big Barbecue Central Show on social media. It is at BBQ Central Show at Twitter and Instagram slash BBQ Central Show over at Facebook. It's always appreciated. They're great feeds. You're going to enjoy it. It's not going to bog you down with stuff. Just good barbecue grilling goodness. Goodness. Go follow them. That's a call to action. It's going to, it's going to be here until we beat our goals. Remember Dr. Gene Scott? That's a whole other story. I can't go there now. Hey, let's get to the second segment. Here is Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. And Greg, is it barbecue or is it grilling? Barbecue and grilling form out there right now. It's called AmazingRibs.com if you've never uh, seen it. All right, Meathead, let's get right into it. We've been kind of going back and forth a little bit about uh, your assertion that I am misrepresenting you now to the many tens and twenties of pitmasters across the land since 
maybe a year and a half ago now, where we talked the first time, differences between barbecue and grilling. Is there a difference? Is there not? Let me go ahead and speak my piece first, and then I will give you, nay, you're the guest. You go ahead and give your assertion exactly the way it should be. I don't want to misrepresent you in any way. The floor is yours. Great. When you run out of things to say to your guests, you always ask them if they Wait, believe what the as hell meathead you? does. When I run out of no things to say, between barbecue and grilling, and I've never said such a thing. I've never said uh, that. I've tried you're a to liar. explain that American history, the culinary history, the culinary technical aspects, and the linguistics of the word barbecue, and try to explain how the word came to be. And how it is used in common usage and how it's been used down through history, not just verbally on this show, but I've documented this ad nauseum on my website in an article called Barbecue Defined with quotes from everybody from Samuel Johnson down through James Beard. Who? And Samuel Johnson wrote the first dictionary. Never heard of him. Well, Get that big stuff out of here. <laughs> you probably haven't looked in the dictionary in a while. And that's why we're arguing about the definition of barbecue. Um, but uh, what? tell me what your definition of barbecue is. Look, Meathead, we could have this conversation all day long, and people were going to be enthralled because my uh, command of the English vernacular is seismic and gargantuan. I am uh, have a what people would say a rapist's wit. Now listen, here's what I'm saying. <laughs> here's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not here to dispute or get into technical differences with what barbecue the definition is. I'm here merely stating this. Barbecuing and grilling are two different cooking methods. To me, barbecue is between, uh, let's say, 180 or 200 degrees on a low end, going up to, let's say, 250, maybe to 275 on a high end. And it's done indirect. It's done with wood smoke. It's done with typical your typical bigger cuts of meat, your briskets, your pork butts, uh, ribs, uh, whole pieces of uh, chi- well, chicken pieces too, whole chickens, whatever you want to call it. And then there's grilling done at a high temperature, direct heat. So you have meat, you have a grill grate, and then you have whatever the heat source may be, charcoal or propane gas or whatever the case may be, the heating element, you name it. And it's done with thinner meats, hamburgers, hot dogs, steaks, typically done in the 15 to 20-minute range. Of course, we could branch off totally into offset or uh, indirect grilling, but I'm just talking about the two main. So to me, these are two different cooking methods, so one doesn't necessarily fall under the other. They're completely separate to me. I'm not arguing, well, that's you. I'm not arguing definition of barbecue. history and uh, the facts and coloring arts say. All right. Are we are, are we overlapping? I'm, 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 let me just shut down the screen here. There we go. Oh, you look fine to me. Okay. No, I think uh, I had the uh, the screen overlapping. All right. Uh, historically, the word derives from the word barbacoa. Barbacoa was a wooden rack built by Caribbean Indians, and they originally cooked lizard, snakes, and fish high above a fire where they mostly just smoked it and cured it. So that's where it comes from originally. Now, a lot of barbecue aficionados like to say, 
Barbecue is the world's first cooking style. Caveman barbecue meat, and it's the oldest cooking style there is. But if you think about it, what they did was they took a piece of meat and threw it on hot coals. By your definition, that's not barbecue. It's grilling. That's grilling. Absolutely. Now, what I want to tell you is, historically, if you go back and look at the use of the word through history, starting with barbacoa, going back to Spain in 1526, following it down through the first dictionary by Samuel Johnson, up through the books by James Beard, common use today, stop 20 people in the barbecue, in the grocery store and ask them what they're barbecuing, and you'll find that barbecue is a big umbrella word. It covers Korean barbecue, it covers Japanese barbecue, it covers Chinese barbecue. Southern barbecue is a style of barbecue, just like Chinese barbecue, and that's closest to what you're talking about. Southern, Southern barbecue, barbecue is and Chinese barbecue. Umbrella word. No. Southern barbecue and Chinese barbecue are nothing like each other. Chinese oh. barbecue. I didn't say they were. I didn't you say just they said were. it. They're all covered by the term barbecue. They both have the word barbecue in them. They're both a form of cooking over open flame. They're both a form of culinary uh, culinary style. Grilling is one. Open pit is another. You know, a lot of barbecue experts like to say they're holding up the tradition of barbecue. But the tradition of barbecue, going back to um, the uh, southern slaves, was an open pit. They dig a ditch. They throw in hot coals. They lay green and, um, green sticks across and whole animals on top of that. That's direct cooking. It's not indirect. It's open air. These guys are cooking in big steel tubes. There's nothing traditional about cooking in a big steel tube or a device with pellets and a computer attached to it where you set it and forget it. This is just a new form of barbecue. That's competition barbecue it's a part of the whole world of barbecue that includes korean and chinese and uh, uh south african braai um these are all forms of barbecue barbecue you know, remember in high school you were taught that a rectangle has four sides and four right angles and that a square is a rectangle but not all rectangles are squares this is a big category that encompasses many cooking styles. What really hacks me off, Greg, you know, and some of your listeners know, I used to be the wine critic for the Washington Post and the Chicago Tribune, and I got out of that world because the goddamn snobs ruined it. I got really sick of people saying, everybody knows Zinfandel's red, not pink or white, that white Zinfandel. Well, I'm really sick of people saying, oh, you're not having a barbecue, you're grilling. Oh, come on. Don't don't exclude jargon and slang like that is the is the refuge of people who are trying to prove their inadequacies or overcome their inadequacies. Exclude people. Let's open the tent of barbecue to what it really is and invite all those backyard grillers who are doing their ribeye steaks and their hamburgers and hot dogs and let them know that's a form of barbecue. Grilling is a form of barbecue. Not all barbecue is grilling, but grilling is a form of barbecue. Let's let them in the tent. Let's teach them how we barbecue. We use smoke. We use low temperatures. So what but, you're I mean, saying is... If you're going to draw you, that line so tight, what about what's turkeys in Memphis? What's they tight? don't use wood at all. It's only charcoal. What about Dreamland, where they cook at 600 degrees? Are you going to go down to those two restaurants and beloved landmarks and tell them that's not barbecue i'm not going to say whether it's good barbecue or bad barbecue that's barbecue 
We always say it's barbecue is outdoor cooking. Well, what about all these great restaurants on old, uh, on old hickory pits? Um, th- that's barbecue. It's a much bigger word than these purists think it is. Go ahead. I'll let you get a word in. Well, so, <laughs> you know, I'm going to agree with some of that. But here's the issue. Uh, why open the opening the door, as you say, and letting all of these people in? It's just you you just can't allow everybody to continually roam around dumb. At some point, you're going to have to educate people that in certain instances, this is what this is. In certain instances, this is what this is. And there's two differentiations of it. Not saying that one is better than the other. They're just two different techniques. So if if somebody sits next to me and they continually say the word especially, should I just allow them to continually say the word incorrectly? Or do I step in and say, well, it's not especially, it's especially. You sound like an idiot. For people to sit there and say, I'm grilling or I'm barbecuing, and when they're doing one or the other, why should I have to let them continue to be ignorant? Aren't I allowed to say, hey, technically... Because of the way you're cooking it and because of this kind of a heat, you're more typically going in a, in a grilling sense or a barbecuing sense. People right. just throwing the words around because they grilling don't know the difference. It's both. It's grilling and barbecue. So if somebody but, you know, just I'm, cooks... I noticed I'm watching the chat there, and uh, Patio Daddio is one of the brightest guys out there. And also, by the way, a great photographer. You were talking about your first guest, Patio Daddio. That's great photography. Um, Debatable. The... Um, uh, he he points out perfectly accurately most of what goes on at a barbecue competition where all the KCBS traditionalists are cooking. But is they're crazy. not. They're not it KCBS not traditionalists. It's a culinary style of cooking that involves very little smoke. Um, it, you wrap it in foil. There's liquid in there, and that is technically go to any culinary school. Yes, brazing. Yes, I think Meathead. If you got ten uh, competition cooks on, they would not say that they are honoring the uh, traditions of barbecue. It's a completely different way of cooking. We've talked about it before. It's a bastardization of barbecue. Top teams on the trail right now would not sit here and say that they are uh, upholding any type of tradition. It's completely different. It's more grilling than barbecue almost. It is barbecue. It's just a competition stuff. You have Chinese barbecue, Korean barbecue, grilling, southern barbecue, and competition barbecue, open pit barbecue, closed pit barbecue, a variety of styles of barbecue. And competition barbecue has evolved into a unique style of cooking that doesn't really resemble the traditional style. It's become its own, but it starts with usually indirect heat and smoke, and it's legitimate form of barbecue. Um, to sit there and say that's not barbecue makes KBS, KCBS illegitimate. Of course, it's barbecue is of a big word that includes many styles of cooking. All right, so we agree that once again I'm right and you're wrong, and we'll move on. And that's this Best Moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. If you would like to hear the complete episode from June the 5th in 2012, head over to thebbqcentralshow.com. Find yourself the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central show archive button, and it will be on that page for you. You know, while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the Barbecue Central show via podcast so you will never miss an episode of this show or the really big barbecue show again. Until next time on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. I am your host, John Solberg. 
and I do look forward to talking to you again soon. 